what the Lord has put on my heart. Uh, you know, this is the time of year that we recognize the birth of Christ. When we think about the birth of Christ and how Christ left the conference of heaven to come to this world to die for our sins, it's beyond the love that I can understand. The sacrifice of salvation. The total message of salvation is given to us in choices that we make. Free. But our consequences are not. The message of our salvation and the birth of Christ is set up in the freedom of choice. During my research, I hope I'm not moving too much. During my research, it says we make an average of 70 choices a day. 20,000 a year. Two million in our lifetime. They could be small choices, but they add up. It might be to get out of bed or stay in, go to work or stay home. For you young people, go to class, or what we called it, and I don't know if it's appropriate anymore, play hooky. Water or Coca-Cola. By the way, praise God, I haven't had, I, I went from Diet Coke and went to Coke, right? Amen. Amen. It is, because Diet Coke is really bad, but Coke is not good either. I'm four days, I feel like an addict. I'm four days clean, Amen. you know? I, I really am trying to live a healthy lifestyle. Uh, my granddaughter, who is a vegan lives our health message better than I do. And she's been an amazing influence on me. Happily, over the rest of the holidays, she's in New York. (laughs) So you get it, though. We have choices every day. We make them. And today we're going to look at two people's choices. And I originally started this because I like studying our people and our prophets and I originally started studying Abraham. And when you study Abraham, a lot Lot came into it. And it ended up being more about Lot's choices than Abraham's. But we're going to look at some of Abraham's choices also. Because not only does the choices affect us, but it affects the ones around us. Our entire family. Yeah, we're going to start out with Genesis 12, 1 to 4. And we see after Abraham's father died, the Lord said to Abraham, leave the city. Leave your relatives. Go to a land that you're unfamiliar with. Lot, in verse 4, decided to go with Abraham. What I want you to understand in these four verses, God didn't give Abraham a lot of information. He didn't give him an address. He didn't give him the living conditions. Abraham had to leave the comforts of his home, his family, 
his surroundings. He had a choice to make. It was either to do as God said or stay in his comfort zone. And Lot also had to make a choice. It was either to travel with his uncle or stay in the land that he also was familiar with. When I read this, I had to ask myself, are we really able to totally trust God? Are we there? If God was to ask us to pack up, leave our home, our family surroundings, everything that we're comfortable with and everything that we know, I wonder what our choices would be. I advocate to you, brothers and sisters, there might be a day in the future that we're going to be asked to do this. And upon arriving at their destination, Abraham honored God in Genesis 12, 6 to 8. The Lord appeared to Abraham as he passes through the land of the Canaanites. He built an altar, calling on the name of the Lord. And Abraham's choice was to take time to do what? He took time to worship. And when we look at verse 12, I mean, as we go on down, we need to understand that Abraham also needed to grow. We need to understand that Abraham also went through trials. This man that God has chosen. And as we look at Genesis 12, 10 to 20, we see that a famine came upon him, upon that area, and Abraham and Lot had to travel. And they went south towards Egypt. I want you to go to verse 12, because we see what happens here. Abraham begins to coach his wife. She's beautiful. And he's concerned. I could imagine she saw all of five foot two. She's black hair. Probably beautiful green eyes. Weighing about, oh, I'm sorry, honey, I was just describing you. Will you, will you forgive me? Boy, did I earn a brownie point, huh? Uh, he didn't really tell her to lie, did he? He just had her tell a half-truth. After all, she was his half-sister, correct? So it wasn't a total lie. It just wasn't the total truth. Anybody feel me? Ouch. How many times have we reasoned and justified and did not really tell a lie, we just didn't tell the total truth? We sometimes take wisdom before we go to God. And this is what Abraham did. In verse 19, the consequences was, why did you say she is your half-sister? Why did you lie to me? I might have taken her. 
The question is, is God big enough in all situations? It reminds me of a story of this young boy. He walked into this candy store, and the candy store owner loved young kids. And that big old candy jar was sitting there, and this young boy usually is not shy. And the owner said, put your hand in there and grab the candy. The boy held back. Mother looked at him. All of a sudden, the owner said, okay. And he grabbed in, and he grabbed a big old handful and handed it to the young boy. And they're walking out. The mother looks at the son. He says, she says, son, you're not shy. Why didn't you grab the candy? And he looked at his mother, not missing a beat. And he said, did you see how big his hands were? (laughs) The reason I tell you that story, that God, our creator, hands are much bigger than yours and mine. And I love that song. I love singing. I wish I could. Uh, I love that song, God has a whole world in his hands. Amen. I want to continue the story in Genesis 13. And we see now that God is blessing Abraham because he's become what? Very rich in cattle, sheep, and gold. In verse 5 to 7, we see Lot also had many flocks. And the land couldn't hold all their blessings. It couldn't support both of them. And what did that lead to? The riches led to strife within the family. And with constant fighting among the churches, I mean, forgive me, Abraham and Lot's herdmen, those who God has sent to be a witness to others, they were God's chosen people, were fighting among themselves as others looked on. I can see it now. That carpet really... Is that blue? I really wish it would have been brown. I don't know why they picked blue out. I can't believe our pastor is not here every week. He's out there helping other churches spread the gospel. Mary, you spent all this money. It could have helped the poor. I like what Sister White says. The world will not be convinced by what the the pupil pupit teaches. Pulpit. Thank you for the correction. My wife has been correcting me also. The pulpit teaches, but what the church lives. What are the choices we're making? What type of witness are we giving the community? What type of witness are we giving the co-workers? What type of witness are we giving our loved ones? What type of witness are we giving each other? 
Is our life a blessing to others? Or is our life a curse? Will you be missed? Or will you be celebrated at your death? See, I thought I was a good husband. I thought I was a good father. Before I met Christ, I gave my family everything in material. I gave them everything in monetary. Home, security, vacations. Vacations that I didn't go on. I was too busy building my future in this world. I gave everything but what mattered most. I gave everything except self. Only to learn the hard way that materials can't replace or make up what's important. And that's our personal time. I learned it the hard way. I began after I gave my life to Christ to listen to my family. I began to spend time with them. I began to take vacations with them. Then my daughter spoke to me one day. Basically what she said, I respected you, I loved you, but I don't like you. That hurt. My son and I didn't have a relationship. But thanks to my beautiful wife and her support, and with God's grace, I now have a family that not only loves me and respects me, but I heard through the grapevine that they like me now. God is good. See, in 1 Timothy 6, 7, we brought nothing into this world. And you can be certain you're not going to carry anything out. I've never seen a bank vault behind a hearse. The material in Matthew 6, 19 to 20, material things in this world, in this life, will rust. They'll disappear. And our choice of sharing and building memories with one another will last a lifetime. But here's the great news. Not only they will last a lifetime, they will continue on in heaven. Relationships. Genesis 13, 9 to 12. Then Abraham said to his traveling companion, Lot, we need to split up. You choose where you would like to go, and I will head in the opposite direction. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. If you go east, I'll go west. What amazed me about this verse, Abraham was the elder. 
So that means Abraham had first choice. Abraham's faith has grown. Verse 10. And when Lot saw the well-watered grass of Jordan, its plush land, it reminded him of Egypt. His choice was to move closer to the city of Sodom and Gomorrah. He didn't move in the city. He just moved a little closer. It says in verse 12 in some Bibles that Lot pitched his tent towards Sodom. What are the choices we're going to make this year? Are we pitching our tent a little closer? Are we just on the outskirts? Abraham was now a more mature Christian through his experience. He was totally at this time dependent on God for guidance. In our life, in our experience, in our choices, they're going to help us to grow. They're going to help us to be more mature Christians. It does not mean that we are perfect. It does not mean that we make all the right choices. For all have sinned and come short. But when we choose Jesus, God sees Christ's righteousness. And we are saved through Calvary, not through ourselves. Abraham now is totally trusting God. He believes that unity of brotherhood must be kept together. And this is going to hurt. And sometimes, unity is held together by separation. It took me a long time to chew on that. It took me a long time to understand that. And as Lot lifted up his eyes and he saw it, and I can imagine being in the industry of real estate and building, that he looked upon that land and on a cool calculation the eyes of an appraiser, weighing the advantages and the disadvantages. He took the best. And he left Abraham with what seemed worthless. So you need to understand that that river divided that plush land, and it would have been more of a fair decision if he would have chosen one side or the other given the other half in the waterways to Abraham. But Lot's choice was to take the lush green pastures of both sides of that river, at the same time moving closer to the city of Sodom. I've got to ask, have we made some choices, conscience, unconscious? Have we moved a little bit closer without realizing? Have we inched towards this world because it felt good? Because it looked good? Or sometimes it just plain tastes good? 
What felt good became an unwed mother. What looked good turned out to be a booger bear. I remember I had a friend who used to have two little puppies. He called them booger and bear. I don't know how he distinguished it, but he did. Well, what tastes good, how about that Frisco burger? Yeah, the one I'm talking about from Hotties, 4,000 calories. I was corrected on that in Perry when I mentioned it. It's only 1,980 calories. You understand what I'm saying? Lot didn't take the whole cable package. He just took the basics, at least not yet. From our human perspectives, Lot made all the right choices. In today's world, he would be respected businessman, complimented for his shrewdness. What looked like a good decision and humanized turned out to be the worst choices Lot ever made. Our choices might not affect us right away. But as we'll see in this story, eventually it will catch up. Not only did Lot set himself up for failure, but worst, he set his family up for failure. Our choices affect not only us, but they affect our loved ones. And when I looked at Genesis 13, 13, the men of Sodom were wicked. It doesn't say that, does it? It says they were extremely wicked. They openly defiled the Lord with their wicked practices. Lot choice was based on exterior, not interior. Lot never went to God in prayer that I saw. He gave thought, no thought, to the spiritual side of his family's well-being. His choices were purely based on comfort, finances, and he left God out of the process. In the end, his family prayed, paid the ultimate price. Later in the story, as we move to chapter 19, Lot now has not only left this plush land, but he's moved into the city. This was after his family was taken away. Abraham rescued Lot. You know the story. I do not think Lot, in the beginning, intentionally, intended to actually live in the sinful city. He simply set off in that general direction. How many times have we made choices not to be involved, just to watch from the bank of the shores, looking in from the outside? Then before we realized it, little by little... We're drawn into something not good. Mercy. And this is what I believe happened a lot. Not only, and don't miss this, 
did Lot move into the city? But in Genesis chapter 19, 1, Lot was sitting at the gate of the city. Back then, the leaders of the city sat at the gate. Lot was now an elder. Lot was a representative. Lot was a government official. Lot was a respected citizen. Lot was a leader in a wicked city. And I believe Lot had all the intentions to keep himself from sin. His choices just led him a little further away. Little by little. Not all at once. Piece by piece. Can you understand? Have you made some choices? Just little choices. Piece by piece. Little by little. You begin to realize you, you haven't really walked away from God. But you feel a little bit further away. We see that the two angels arrived at the gate. And Lot was there. And Lot used the word in verse 2 and 3 to the visitors, please come to my home. And then he insisted strongly. Lot knew they weren't safe. See, Lot knew there was no Marriott Hotel. Lot knew there was no security God. Lot knew there was no alarm system. He knew this was a wicked unsafe and moral city. In the middle of the night, the men of the city surrounded his house. Not one, not two, a group, a squat team. And their one goal was to take their victim. In verse 5, they're yelling, bring out your guests that we might know them. What caught my attention was the next verse. Has Lot gotten so clouded, so caught up, that his choice was to offer his two young daughters his own blood? his own kin, and they were still the virgins. Instead of going to God for instructions, guidance, or just conversation with the angels that were sent. Don't miss this. In the heat of the battle, it's the heat of the battle where decisions are made. His choice was to send his daughters to save his guests. His choice was a reaction, I think. Take my girls, do as you like, but leave my guest alone. Lot lived in a sinful environment. 
it clattered up his thinking. His choices led to the loss of most of his family. You know, this world has so many things coming at us. We have so many choices. Sometimes we get too busy to listen. Too caught up in responsibilities. Business. School. Job. Entertainment. The bright lights of the city. Brothers and sisters, Satan will use anything anything and he knows you better than you know yourself he's he's had some time he can tell from your reaction what makes you click and if he can keep you out of the word because he knows the word is dangerous the word is powerful he will put that into your life Brothers and sisters, if we come here just on Sabbath and the six other days that we choose and we choose to live in this world, people are not going to listen to us. I want you to watch this. In verse 14, Lot went to his family that night. He stayed up all night with them, trying to convince them to leave. Their choice was to stay. Even worse, they laughed and made fun of Lot. See, Wednesday night prayer meeting is important. People that are preparing to meet their Savior will take that time out in the middle of the week to get refilled. In the spirit of prophecy, it says those who are preparing to meet their Savior are at Wednesday night prayer meeting. We need to be there as a unified body. Because if we do not prepare... And when the time comes and we tell others about the Jesus we serve, but we only serve them on the Sabbath, they also are going to laugh at us. Lot and wife just couldn't bear leaving this world behind. Leaving the city while it burned, they were told she not to look back towards that earthly home. You all know the story. She turned. She wanted one more glance. And she turned into the pillow of salt. The only family Lot had left through his choice of comfort was his two daughters. Through the choice of this world through the choice of bright lights, through the choice of external sights, 
Lot was stripped of his possessions. He lost his family, and he lost his wife. Lot has hit rock bottom. He ended up living in the cave the rest of his life. But you know, and I know, that we serve in an amazing God. Because when you look at 2 Peter 7-8, to we see that Lot was a righteous man. We see that Lot was a good man who God delivered. We have a God who is in the business of saving. From Lot's experience, you can see the Lord knows how to rescue people. Amen? You remember the story of the farmer? who yelled at his hired hand, Get up! Get up! We got a storm coming. He replied, I told you I can sleep when the wind blows. The farmer was upset, shook his head. He actually contemplated about firing this man as he went outside because he had to go out and do what by himself? He had to tie down everything. He had to prepare for the storm. And to his amazement, he discovered that all the haystacks were already covered and tied down. To his amazement, all the cows were in the barn. The chickens were in the coop. The doors to the barn were barred. And the, tight, and the shutters were tightly secured. The farmer understood. This man has chose to prepare before the storm came. That, I hope, is our choice today. That, I hope, is our New Year resolution to prepare for Christ's coming. The current world conditions tell us that life on this earth is short. Jesus is calling each of us. And he's asking you to make a choice. And my question to you today, as we read the scriptures today by this young man, seek first the kingdom of heaven is that this will be your New Year's resolution to follow Christ wherever he leads you. If you are willing to do this by a show of hands, are you willing to follow Christ and make a commitment for this new year? Wherever he will lead you, that you will grow as Abraham grew in faith. Let's bow our heads. Dear Lord, we've all made choices. And yes, sometimes they haven't been for the best. Lord, we have all have baggage. But I thank you, Lord, that we are a people of hope. We are a people of faith. And you've seen the hands raised today. You've seen the commitments made. You've seen the New Year resolutions that we as a united people, are preparing for your coming.
Cleanse us, Lord. Accept us. And we glorify you. Amen.